the reading from Ephesians 6, chapter 6 and verse 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. I'm asking you to excuse my slightly snuffly nose today. I had a massive hay fever attack yesterday afternoon and it's still working through. Sorry. Um, I'm Sarah. Hello. Most of you will probably know who I am. Um, and this morning I thought I'd surprise you by giving a sermon from Ephesians. Um, it may be your first time watching online, in which case you may not know that we have been going through Ephesians for quite some time now. Um, I think it's been great. I'd like to thank um, Andrew for preaching last week. Um, um, so as you'd know, while we've been looking through Ephesians, we've been talking about the word therefore, and it's roughly summarised in God has done such and such, therefore our response is X, Y, Z. So I'm going to be looking again at a small part, a very small part of what Andrew preached on last week. He covered husbands and wives and children and parents and slaves and masters. So I'm going to head back to chapter 6 again and look at verses 1 to 4 and look in some greater detail of what Paul was saying to the children and the parents in Ephesus and also to us. Um, but when I began preparing for this sermon, I kind of realised even though there was only four verses uh, and there were clearly two parts, there was the children honouring the parents and the fathers and mothers not provoking their children, I realised pretty quickly I wasn't going to have time to do both, despite there only being four verses. So I'm sorry, I'm not even going to touch on the second half of the verses, but hopefully what I have got to say will be from God this morning. So um, maybe I'll save the second part for part two another time. Um, most of you would know my four kids, um, and most of you would know my parents, as they used to come to the Billabong. So any terrible stories I tell today, I'll have to change the names to protect the innocent. Um, <laughs> Or perhaps I'll just change the name so I still get Christmas presents this year. Um, and of all of you sitting here and, and you guys watching at home, some of you are parents, some of you have small kids, some of you have teenagers still living at home, some of you have grown-up children, you might even have grandchildren, some of you are parents, some of you are not yet parents. But all of us are children of somebody. So I think there's something here for all of us. Um, as human beings, we all share that. We've all got belly buttons, um, and I hope that's the quote you take away from this sermon today. We've all got belly buttons, very deep spiritual insight. Um, but perhaps also that you never knew your biological parents. Perhaps you're a foster child or an adoptive child. Um, you might have had a really difficult relationship with your parents, um, and perhaps you still do, and maybe there's some hurt and some pain there. Um, so I just want to acknowledge that 
in advance as we're talking about this today and I hope I can be sensitive in what I say um, and if there's things that you'd like to pray with someone about after the service, there will be people here to pray with you. So I'd like to entitle my talk today, Grace, Honour and Love in the Family of God. And the gist of my therefore statement is, God has adopted us into his family of love. Therefore, our lives as children and parents can reflect the loving grace and honour of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. So we know from many places in the preceding chapters of Ephesians that we've gone through that we can be completely assured of our adoption into God's family as his children. For instance, Ephesians 1, 15, or 1, 5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. So the good news is, if you want to be part of the family, God's already done it. You're, you're in. So now what? As we've already seen, Ephesians tells us a lot about how to treat each other in the family of God. So the whole of Ephesians, as we've, we've seen over the last few weeks, is just chock full of exhortations to love and to unity, about being patient with each other, making allowances, um, not being immoral, being thankful, living in the light. But I think grace, honour and love in the family of God has to start at home with the people we live with or maybe the people we grew up with if we're not still at our, our family home um, and the people we know best. If we can love every other Christian around us but we can't accept Christ's power to love and honour those who are, are our nearest and most annoying, I mean dearest, then our faith is worthless. So let's start by again reading the verse that Julie, one of the verses that Julie read out, verse 1, Paul's instruction to children. So Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. So Andrew reminded us last week that children weren't very important at all in uh, the ancient world of Ephesus and the other places that Paul was travelling to at, at his time. But everything I read while I was preparing said that in this part of the passage, Paul is actually addressing younger children, children who are still living in households with their parents. So he's talking directly to those kids. And one article I read suggested this was like the children's talk in the middle of the letter to the Ephesians, showing kids that they have a part to play in the gospel, this good news of Christ. So it's not just for the adults. Even the youngest kids who've come to trust in Jesus can show their love for him in things as simple as obedience to their parents. So that's a, it's a real practical thing that, that kids can do that follows Jesus' own example of obedience um, to God the Father and his own earthly parents. So obedience isn't weak and confining. Obedience is powerful and it's beautiful and it's like a glue for families along with love, obviously. And it's also a glue for our whole society when you think about it. It's not an abuse of parental power for us to teach our children obedience and for them to learn to obey. It's a blessing and a joy for everyone, including them, even if they don't think so at the time. But sadly, most of the children in this congregation have gone out to Billabong Kids, so they haven't heard a word I said. But as I said earlier, we're all, we're all children of someone. We're all born into this world. 
So let's go on to the second verse in our reading today, which is um, for older and adult children as well as small children. So we've seen that the first part is talking to you know kids who are still living at home under the authority of their parents. But the next part of the passage, it really is for everyone. Honour your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honour your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Now, Paul's, of course, quoting um, a commandment or as um, Mark Illingworth likes to call them, the 10 best ways to live, which I think is awesome. Um, And note that the commandment in Exodus or Deuteronomy, as it might be, it's found in both places, doesn't have children obey your parents. That's something Paul's added in Ephesians. But it does say, honour your parents, your father and mother. And so does Paul when he quotes it in Ephesians. So the job of parents is obviously one day to grow their children out of needing to be obedient to them and into being obedient to God and higher authorities and being responsible for their own children and the people that they may be parent figures to. Proverbs 22.6 says, Direct your children onto the right path. When they are older, they will not leave it. But while obedience may end after a certain age and life circumstance, um, Ephesians 6.2 and the best ways to live that God gave Moses, they tell us that honouring our father and mother is forever, forever. So I'd like to make two notes here. If you look at the 10 best ways to live, you can see them, you'll see that they're not ordered in order of importance. Um, Not murdering people is just as important as keeping the Sabbath day holy, even though the Sabbath day is number four and not murdering people isn't number six, okay? So they're not in order of importance. But um, there's a Canadian theologian I read that puts it like this when he talks about the fifth commandment, to honour our father and mother. God gives that commandment a place of special honour. Believers have long divided the Ten Commandments into two groups or two tables. The first group explains our duty towards God and the second explains our duty towards our fellow men. This commandment, to honour our father and mother, falls squarely between the two and in that way reminds us that our parents have a unique role in our lives. Our parents are God's divine representatives to us so that when we honour and obey our parents, we honour and obey God. There is no obedience or love to God without obedience or love towards parents. So that's a pretty serious view of how important this honouring of our parents really is. My second note is it's the first commandment with a blessing attached. That's what Paul says. In fact, it's the only one of the Ten Commandments um, that has a blessing attached. There are other commandments throughout Exodus and Deuteronomy and Leviticus, but this is the only one of the ten that's, um, that were on the tablets that has a blessing attached. And if we do it, Paul promises, if we honour our father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. So Paul was reminding the Ephesians that if we honour our parents, God promises us good, good things, really good things. So what does that even mean? that things will go well for you and living you'll live a long time on the earth. It's not a promise, I don't think, from my reading, that we'll be free from sickness forever or that our children will all love Jesus. I don't think it's a promise you're never going to be fired from your job or miss out on a place at uni. I don't think it's even a promise that we won't die until we're 120. 
And I don't think it's even a promise that even if we honour our father and mother, that we'll even have a good relationship with our parents necessarily. But I believe this promise means that if we honour our father and mother, we'll be living our life as the creator made it to be lived. We'll be experiencing more of what it means to be fully human in the sense of humanity made in God's perfect image as it was once upon a time in the Garden of Eden. So it's not magical thinking. It's not the law of attraction or karma, speak out positivity or do some ritual and good things will return to you. Instead, it's experiencing the truth that a life lived as the creator made it to be lived cannot fail to be a good life and it cannot fail to be the best life you could ever have despite circumstances and despite the pain that we will inevitably experience at some point on this earth. This is the promise of God since Israel first became a nation and received the 10 best ways to live. And now it's to us Gentiles who've become part of God's family. And I think it's a promise that God wants the rest of the world who doesn't know him to see. So, honour your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honour your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. So what is honour? The natural next question. How do I honour my parents? Have I been honouring them up to this point? So I want to acknowledge again here that there may be people who could say to me, you don't know my parents, Sarah. They're not very honourable people. Um, you don't know what my circumstances are like. And, and I do understand that there are those circumstances. And we need to ask, how can honour be given in those circumstances to those people? That's a hard question. I think that perhaps defining what honour can look like in different forms may be helpful here. I'd like to again quote Tim Challies, who I quoted before. It says, To honour our parents, we are to attach great worth to them, great value to our relationship with them. To honour our parents, we are to respect and revere them, to speak well of them and to treat them with kindness, gentleness, dignity and esteem. We are to ensure that they are cared for and even to make provision for them when necessary. Honour is an attitude accompanied by actions that say to your parents, you are worthy, you have value, you are the person that God sovereignly placed in my life. So I'd like to admit that I haven't always honoured my parents. I haven't always respected them. I've not always spoken well of them. And I've not always treated them with kindness. And mum and dad, if you're listening, I'm really sorry. It's interesting to note, though, that throughout this week, when I've considered those ideas and my own failings in gentleness and respect, that something, something within me has piped up sometimes and said, yeah, but they, always have, they haven't always treated me nicely either. You know, they did that and they did that thing and that other thing. And this is where I think that I and maybe many of us need to start in our journey of even greater honour towards our parents. The first way that we can give honour is forgiveness. So I think it goes without saying that our parents are not perfect. 
Lately, I've taken to praying for myself as a parent every morning when I get out of bed and every afternoon before I go to school to pick up the kids because honestly, at this moment in this particular stage of my life where my kids are at, I need all the patience and grace I can get to not lose my temper. I, I have sometimes shouted at them. I have failed. Um, there's a great quote I like. It says, sometimes I feel guilty for yelling at my kids and then I remember that some animals eat their kids and I feel a little less bad. <laughs> um, exhibit A for the jury on me being a completely imperfect parent is this great memory from Facebook that I posted nine years ago with Bree, and he was only just sort of starting to talk. If we can get that one up on the screen. Because... You can read it, it says, Mummy shouting, I'm losing my temper! And Thomas shouting, I forgive you! <laughs> so in my defence, we'd obviously been driving home the need to forgive people, which is great. Um, but the only perfect parent, obviously, that we're ever going to have in our life is God the Father. And it is God the Father who gives us the power and the grace to extend forgiveness to those who've hurt us who may not deserve it, including those who we may have falsely expected to never let us down, our parents. So I need to forgive my parents for their failures and I really hope that my children will forgive me now and in the future for my failings as a parent. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behaviour. Instead, be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So God has given us the power that raised Christ from the dead, that's from Ephesians 1, to enable us to forgive the wrongs that our parents have done, following in the footsteps of Jesus who loved us and gave himself up for us. Forgiveness isn't denying that hurts and wrongs have happened. Forgiveness doesn't deny wise boundaries that may be need to be in place and forgiveness may not do anything at all to change our parents but forgiveness frees us from a captivity to a burden of bitterness and anger that will forever blight our relationships with our parents if we don't lay it down. Another thing we can do for our parents to honour them is to pray for them. So we might need, realise we need to care more for our parents' well-being or we may have a shaky relationship with our parents or have a hard time feeling like honouring them. They may have needs that even though we want to help them with, we can't at the time. But prayer can change these things. So as um, Aaron already mentioned earlier, First Timothy 2 says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people, ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. So we might not feel at all times like we want to pray for our parents, especially when we're grumpy, but when we pray for their welfare and their blessing, we demonstrate we really are the adopted sons and daughters of our Father in heaven. I remember a time when prayer changed relationships for me. Um, it was not with my parents. It was with my boss. I was 15 and I got a job as a pharmacy assistant. It was a great job, very cushy. You didn't have to serve up greasy burgers or anything. I just had to pretend I knew a lot about antihistamines. Um, so my boss was not 
a nice man. He just made me feel small and stupid, and like I didn't know anything, and I probably didn't. But I started to pray for him every night, um, and he never changed. He was still not a very nice man. But I began actually to feel really sorry for him and to see that he was sad and he felt terrible about himself. And praying didn't change him, but it sure changed me. So I know that my parents pray every single day for me and all their children. So perhaps it's time that I, as a child of my Heavenly Father, pray more for my parents. Another thing that we can do to honour it, which is really important, is speak well of our parents and esteem them. There's an old adage that I know I've told my kids before. If you can't say anything nice, say anything at all. Yeah, don't say anything at all. And that's, that's all very well as far as it goes. Um, but does it build honour? Or does it just sort of shovel dishonour into a hole and throw some dirt over it and, um, and then maybe one day it'll rise like an undead zombie and destroy your relationships? I mean, that's... I've, I read you a sentence that said, honour is an attitude accompanied by actions. And so now we're in the realm of coming out of the privacy of our own little spiritual life and, yes, I forgive them and, yes, I pray for them. But now we're in the realm of coming out and actually honouring our parents out loud, maybe in front of other people too, in, in public, um, to give them our esteem and love so they can hear it. So there was a relative of mine who's now passed away he was a pretty well-known figure in his Christian community and also in the wider business community in the city where he lived. And he was really well-respected and I do believe he loved God. And a few years ago, I was chatting to some people and when they found out who I was, they said, oh, we knew your relative. He was such a wonderful person and he was really generous to so many people. And he was a great guy or, you know, words to that effect. I really wanted to say to those people that behind closed doors, my relative was actually not very nice. I wanted to tell them about some of the cruel things he'd done and said to other family members that I love. And I wanted them to know the whole truth and I wanted to speak badly of him. But my Heavenly Father says, speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. And the Heavenly Father says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. And the Heavenly Father says, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And he says, honour your father and mother. It wasn't my father and mother that we're talking about, but it was an older relative. I think that those words go for older relatives who are in authority as well. So what good will it do for me to take my revenge by dishonouring my relative in front of those people? What good would it do for them, the people listening to me, for the good things that my relative had done for many people to be sullied by a recounting of his faults? In fact, to lessen and diminish and dishonour him diminishes my walk with God and hurts others. So there may be times when we need to tell someone about our pain and hurt in our relationship with our parents. A trusted counsellor, a professional and a pastoral carer in our church. We may need healing and renewal. But let's not mistake anger and resentment and dishonour for healing. We don't want Satan to trick us into thinking 
that speaking ill of our parents and mouthing off, letting off steam, is a healing balm for our wounds, because it's not. Instead, it can be a poison that reinfects our wounds and keeps them from healing. So if we think we may have a problem in honouring our father and mother, either in our own words or attitudes or in public, let's instead do the opposite. Let's begin speaking out and esteeming and praising our parents. Let's practice the honouring of our parents by asking God to show us anything he wants, no matter how small it is, that we can esteem our parents for, that, he, that we can choose to be grateful for. Our parents gave birth to us, and that, if nothing else, is a gift from the hand of God that was given to us through our earthly parents. And the last thing I want to talk about honouring our parents is supporting them and providing for them. So there's a story in chapter 7 of Mark's Gospel and the Pharisees were criticising Jesus and his disciples for not using hand sanitizer enough. Oh no, that's, that's the gospel according to COVID. Um, they were criticising Jesus and his disciples because they weren't following the traditional hand-washing ceremony that the Jews did. And Jesus said, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. And then in verse 9, he says, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your old tradition. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God, honour your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. So most of our parents spend 20 or 30 or more years of their lives taking care of our needs. And now that we're grown or we're growing up, it's important that we ask, what needs do my parents have so in our culture, this is not actually something we're particularly encouraged to do in Australia. You know, our Western culture promotes individuality and independence. It celebrates children leaving home. It celebrates strong, healthy, vibrant older people who have plenty of superannuation and savings and, or even work till they're 70 and they don't need to be a burden to their adult children. Those aren't bad things, but perhaps we might need to think about whether it might be a joy and a privilege, a special blessing for us from God to have the ability to meaningfully bless our fathers and mothers by meeting the needs they have. I think sometimes we get so busy, so focused on our own jobs and our own activities, and we often feel so worn out and needy ourselves that we have little time to remember our parents have given their lives so that we might be nurtured and grow and thrive. What can we give back to them in gratitude and love? So when you think of your parents at whatever age they are, what needs do they have that God has given you the means to meet? It could be financial. might be a need for a listening ear. It might be quality time. It might be connecting with their grandchildren. It may be us telling them how thankful and grateful we are to God for them and how meaningfully they are part of our lives. And I'm not saying that we're responsible to fix every problem and that every felt need by our parents has to be met by their children. That's not what I'm saying. 
There are many real reasons why we can't fix everything when our parents are struggling. But let's take the time to reflect. How can we honour our parents in supporting them and providing for them? Just wondering if Lauren could come up and just play quietly for a bit, if that would be all right. And um, if we could just take a few minutes to... Thanks, Lauren. We could take a few minutes just to quietly where we are, bow our heads and ask our Heavenly Father if he can bring to our minds any areas where maybe we haven't been honouring our parents, if we have parents here still with us, or maybe we haven't in the past. Maybe we need to ask forgiveness. Maybe we need to forgive our parents. Or maybe we need to ask God for some great ideas how he wants us to bless and honour our parents' needs going forward. Perhaps some ways which we can speak well of and esteem our parents. And for those of you who might be struggling right now because your parents are no longer here or you have a painful past with your parents, in a moment I'd like to pray for you too. So let's just be quiet and still talk to Jesus. Father God, thanks for speaking to us today. Pray you would help us to be like your son Jesus, who honoured and loved his parents here on earth and honoured you, Father God. Father, I want to pray right now for people who feel sad, people who don't have a good relationship with their parents, perhaps parents who don't have a relationship with their children or things are really a struggle. Lord, I pray you'd bring peace. Lord, where there is hatred, so love. Father God, where there is injury, bring pardon. Where there is doubt, I pray you'd bring faith. Jesus, where there is despair, I pray that you'd bring hope. Lord, where there is darkness in these relationships, I pray that you'd bring light. And where there is sadness, I pray you'd bring your joy. Father, thank you for your peace and your goodness. Thank you, other. You are the perfect Father who will never let us down pray you teach us to walk in your ways and be more like you. Lord, you know there are no easy answers sometimes to relationship difficulties, but we thank you that one day there will be no more crying 
no more tears, no more pain, that you'll wipe all the tears and the heartache from our hearts. You'll make all things new, even relationships, Lord, between parents and children and other family members. So thank you, God. We bless your name. Amen.